So, Jim, you know we end making chips with our mantra, if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Yes, we do. And you know what? If you take too long to be making those chips, you know what happens? You lose money. You lose money. There's no accountability and there's no data. So how do we solve that? Well, I'll tell you what we're doing now that we've converted and we're using ProShop ERP. It's a cloud-based ERP system. So all of our employees, you know, there's kiosks throughout my shop. Everyone has access to the database of the flow of work through our shop. And everyone time tracks against work orders that they're on. Every week, Ryan and I, our operations manager, get together. We look. We say, ah. Jason, he he's not at eighty five percent. He's not at eighty five percent efficiency. He's taking too many smoke he, breaks. He's must he's, be another Jason because I know that's not me. Well, no, I had to use you. I didn't want to throw anybody else under the bus. But at the end of the day, Pro Shop is great because it's hard data and numbers and information that we can look at every week and try and get that efficiency to about 85%, meaning everybody that's clocked into a work order or clocked in has to have 85% of time tracking against a work order. So go to ProShop ERP, set up a demo, and Paul will be happy to talk to you. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging. But if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Olner. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Oh, great. Yeah, this is awesome that I'm the co-host now. Yeah, you are. We got rid of Jim. I really feel very good about it, so... Or did we? No love in the room anymore. Jim, Jim's going to try out the weatherman rule so he can appreciate what I go through on a day-to-day Jim Carr exactly. is with us. Hi, Jim. How are you, buddy? I'm well, thanks. I'm, good. I'm actually feeling pretty good today. Good. So that's a good thing. So we're going to have a great episode here. I'm looking forward to hearing your show structure about something that's really timely and relevant I think this right is going to be a good episode. I think this is on everybody's mind, and I think it's, it's definitely timely and relevant. And I think it's going to go viral. It, <laughs> oh, yeah. Good one, Nick. Good one, Nick. Yuck, 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 Dad jokes. Yuck, 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 Dad yuck. jokes. So speaking of what we're going to talk about, I, did you guys watch the show The Walking Dead? I watched like most of the seasons, and then it got too sad. It's a great sad. Char- it's, yeah. it, it, it's a very sad. It's all about character development. It's not, I've told my wife before, it's not about the zombies. It's about how the characters react to the situation that exactly. they're in. Yeah. And I think that today we're going to talk about what manufacturing leaders can learn from this coronavirus epidemic and how China is reacting to it. And I think when you're put into these kind of situations, it does say a lot about your character. It says a lot about the culture of your company or the culture of your country in the case of China. And I really believe that this is timely and relevant for for us to talk about. I mean, that's what everyone's talking about right now. And it does affect manufacturers. It does. It affects everybody. The stock market took a big hit last couple of days. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. So Jim, do you know what a pandemic is? Do you know the definition I of a pandemic? I just wrote that down. You did? I swear to God. Yeah. Honest, and I didn't yeah. read it here. Don't, I don't even know if you have it there, but don't, don't I just wrote it down. Because they're, yes, just they're, yes, talking yes. Definition. About, yeah. they're talking about that this is a pandemic. So what is a pandemic? I, re- I really don't know. I, I wanted to look it up. This is really funny because I did, I, you know, of course I've been hearing all about the corona or COVID-19. Well, just think about pan means what? A lot of yeah, like spread over a wide swath. I'm I'm not getting the exact definition of pan, and I don't. I know mean, what I can Google mean, it if you want. No, I'm looking at it right now. It's a it's a oh. di- pan, but not demic. So we're <laughs> halfway there. It's a, it, a pandemic is is a disease prevalent over a whole country or the world. 
So do you remember the SARS epidemic? I do. It kind of went south. Yeah, well, it, that that actually happened 13, was uh, 13 years ago, and you know we've recovered from it. But I think we can learn from these things. So I'm going to read a quote from the New York Times actually about the SARS epidemic because this is going to be relevant to our discussion. Well, did you give the real definition of what a pandemic is? Yeah, I did. So I, a pandemic is a disease prevalent over the whole country of the world. That's so simple. Just here, that one. This sentence. is a quote from Lee Wan. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, from the New York Times, the SARS disaster was supposed to drag China into a new era of openness and responsibility. The deadly disease rippled across the world 17 years ago, abetted by Chinese government that covered up its spread. As the scope of it became clear, Chinese journalists, intellectuals, and other critics helped shame Beijing into opening up about the problem. Obviously, China has a culture of spreading pandemics. Well, no, of just being closed off to letting information that that is bad about its government and bad about its country out into the world. I mean, they they crack down on the internet. They, I mean, they're just a closed environment. And it, in a it's lot of even ways. like just the the context of their culture too. So when I went to China and we talked about it on one of those episodes, they have this need to save face. It's better to just say nothing than to admit it's you a, were wrong. It's a shame culture. Exactly. I guess they would call yeah, that. absolutely. So I'm going to read another quote from Albert Moeller from the briefing. China has repressively shut down so many of those voices so that there are not many alternative ways that the rest of the world can find out what is going on in China. We are almost entirely dependent upon the Chinese government, aka Beijing, and that means the Chinese Communist Party to tell us what is going on. We don't get information here from China unless it's leaked it's or it's or it's filtered from the Communist Party. Right. And that's a problem. It's kind it's not too far off from if you watch anything on the far left or the far right in our own news. Everything <laughs> goes through a filter. So Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. And so I think that what happened with this new coronavirus epidemic is that it got to the point where they couldn't deny it anymore. Mm-hmm. And now we have the is coronavirus this hearsay here or it, is this true? Which part? Well, first of all, do we know that? Are we are we talking about this already? Or? The coronavirus is a yeah. pandemic. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely a pandemic. It's a one hundred percent bona fide pandemic. Yeah, if you okay. look at the stats, I mean, there are, are the body deaths. bags. There's, there are deaths yeah. all over the world. China has thousands of deaths, Jim. I know that. I know. How do we know that the numbers? And are, then there's there's deaths in. Do we many know that other it countries? originated in China? Yes, a. we do. Okay. Yes, the, absolutely, hundred percent. Hundred percent originated not in China. Fake news. Not. So I, I'm going to talk about that. So I'm going to give you the information, Jim. I'd like so to hear it. What just came out in the news, and I I wasn't there in China, and I didn't see the guy eating the bat. But what the news is reporting right now is that in a more poor area of China, the people there were eating bats, and that was how it started. Now I've been to. Asia twice. I've been to South Korea and I've been to Thailand. I have seen that the way that a lot of Asian countries handle meat is that it's out there in the public square. And not just Asia, in the Middle East, a lot of other countries, they don't have the same level of, I don't know, well, like, like pasteurization and, pasteurization or, yeah, yeah, and just, sure. cont- and we, I mean, I know my, when my wife and I cook chicken, I mean, we, we rinse the chicken off and then we scrub our counters off really quickly. And, and you're like, like a, the maximum germaphobe oh as is. Yeah, so I am. But, sure I mean, but if you go to a, a country like China, they have meat out in the open. Yeah, don't they, exactly. Nick? It's the Did other, you see it's that? the other end of the spectrum from Zenger world. Yeah, from the Zenger house, yeah, exactly. you know, to China is I did, how they we, you know, we, we were in a lot of nice places when I was in China, but we would drive through some remote areas and I remember being like, wow, I'm very blessed. I don't live like that. So Yeah, and, and speaking of that, I feel very blessed that I live here in the United States because China is a communist country 
And the people there that are destitute are eating bats in order to survive. We have a safety net here in the United States that we don't have to worry about our people having to do that. We have programs, we have taxes, we have all this kind of stuff to help people out so that they don't get to that point where they have to eat meat that could potentially be harmful to them and cause this kind of a pandemic. Okay. So we know it originated in China. We know it originated from probably a rural area that had underprivileged people eating food that was carrying some kind of virus. Yeah. I believe that the SARS epidemic, didn't that come from like pigs or something like okay. that? So that, let's let's move this forward. Yeah, maybe though. that's the swine flu. Okay. So we know where it originated. We know how did it spread so quickly and why is it spreading so quickly? So is it coughing? So is I could it, is yeah. it an airborne virus? I will explain why why it spread so quickly. One of the problems with this particular virus was that it it's contagious for a matter of two weeks before you actually have any of the symptoms. Right. So that was one of the big problems with it. And a lot of times when you introduce you introduce something into your body, say from a bat that is not normal meat that, you know, people will be eating, you don't know what's going to come of that. And that's what we have right now. I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't explain the biology of, of how this stuff happened. But that's essentially one of the reasons why it spread so quickly is people didn't know that they have it. And then they were spreading it to their family, spreading it to their coworkers. And they didn't have, they, they didn't like say, oh, I'm sick. I'm not going to go into work or I'm sick. I'm not going to kiss my baby. They just got everybody infected. So why does a pandemic in, in China have an impact on me if I'm a manufacturer. Great question, leader. Nick. So we're going to talk about what we can learn from this pandemic. Cool. But cool. before we go there, we're actually going to talk about some manufacturing news, and we're going to talk about what's going on in our businesses. And the manufacturing news is actually going to be related to this because I think this That's has everything big implications you hear, yeah. to the manufacturing industry. But before we get there, co-host Nick, what's going great, buddy? Tell well, us about your China okay, trip. So, well, China. Tell us why were you in China that one time. I was in there to sell a big saw, a okay. huge sawing system for that can actually cut 800 millimeter diameter steel billet. Okay. So, and you were kind of saying, you know, that the information you get out of China doesn't always check out. We thought we were going to get an order like the week we got back. Yeah, but, what happened? Well, these things take three years, five years. Every time I talk to the agent over there, it's, hey, this order's going to come. You know, you guys, are you ready? Can you handle it? And it's like... Yeah, we're still ready, you know. So I got news for you, buddy. That order ain't coming now. <laughs> we, yeah. At least not anytime not, soon. <laughs> not right now, yeah. But they would have replaced like 24 band saws with three of these big circular saws. So like it's it's a good decision for them to make. I don't know when they're going to make it or if they're going to make it, but, right. but that's why I was there. Okay. And what's going on now is I actually go tomorrow to Germany and Austria to see some partners. That's cool. And Great. I'm going to spend that's one cool. day skiing, so I'm very excited. You are just very cool. You, you are just a world traveler. You are, you are our the remote correspondent for making chips. <laughs> there we go. You got to put me in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, you're going to be in the middle, of the, in war, in the middle of the war. You're going to be like, who's that guy that... It's big... wild out here. Yeah. You know, like the wind's blowing me away. <laughs> How about you, Jim? What's going on great at Car Machine Tool? Well, I just got back from Dallas last night. We participated in our first ever legitimate manufacturing trade show. Really? Um, yeah, absolutely. As an end user, as a contract... Machine shop. I thought you've done you many trade, trade shows. Show. No, uh-uh. that's cool. We've we participated in the our local local Elkro village. I made in. Rem- oh, okay. I, w- I visited okay. you there, and you gave me your cool branded mug, and I still oh, did I? I still use it. Yes, awesome. Good. So this is the first time that you've been outside of the Chicagoland area yes. doing a trade show. Yeah. Good. So, and I had some resistance to it because you know there's a cost. A 
got everything's got to ship to the area. Well, that's going to cost you five Gs to participate in something like that. I would. I it would was. Assume. It was. A, yeah. It was about. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what. The How big exact, was your booth? Ten by ten. Everybody's is like ten by ten. But John, my sales manager, is still there. He's doing day two. But mm-hmm. Ryan and I flew in just to do day one with him. And I think it was really good. There were some really big companies we talked to. So Texas is attracting a lot of manufacturing right now. I know it is. I know it is. And I thought about it. You know, I'm laying in bed or you're on the airplane and you're rethinking the whole thing. Well, I know you don't usually sleep when you're laying in bed, right? (laughs) No, I don't. I'm either on my phone or thinking or solving problems. Notice you know, how those two things are different. Yeah, notice. <laughs> exactly. But I, th- I think that one order could take care of the entire expense. So That's great. Yeah, it was good. And it was a good time to think differently. Yeah. And when I was on the plane, I said to Ryan, my son, I said, you know what? You know what our differentiator was? That we were a company from Chicago in Dallas around a lot of machine shops. Because let me tell you, there was a lot of machine shops exhibiting at this show. But our differentiator, well, we have our own individual differentiators. But the big differentiator, and I didn't realize this until Ryan and I started talking about it, was we were from Chicago. So we were different. Yeah, You had a funny accent. We do. And we got noticed. And people, well, people from Dallas probably notice you because of making chips. I mean, you're the making chips. I didn't. I was. I thought that I was going to get noticed in that capacity, and I did. Don't blow up his ego. Sorry, sorry to say, I did not. Did not. But I wasn't there. That was. Did you bring the Jim Car brand or just yourself? I just brought myself. Okay. And I let the two millennials do all the talking, and I I came in when I needed to. So the closer. I was. I was the guy that was going to get sandwiches. They needed a couple bottles of water. You're good at that. Yeah, I can do yeah. that. Hey, can yeah. I do a real quick? I've got the credit card, I actually too. need a coffee. Can you get me coffee right no, now? No, I will not. <laughs> Please. I don't know how to use your coffee machine. We're, we're at Zangers today. Huh? So you mentioned, you know, one good order could one make the whole order. thing worth it. Yep. I got a text last night from Brandon Kane. Oh, I love that kid. You, you remember him? Yeah, yeah of course. The, the manufacturing yeah, entrepreneur. Awesome. And he says, things are just rocking and rolling. I can see and that. And his text said, it's amazing how one job can change your whole business. Yes, it's true. And yeah. so I was like, we got to talk again. Yeah, you know, yeah, I want to follow his story. So yeah, anyway, it's a little sidebar, but. Good, good. What about you? I'm actually really excited about what I'm doing right now. And I know I've talked about this several times on the show, but it's coming to fruition now. I told my team, all of my teams, I'm going to be spending as much time as I possibly can working in my home office over the next 30 days because we have a consultant from our ERP system that is working alongside me for the next 30 days. I don't want to be interrupted. I've got my head down and I'm getting our e-commerce site up and going. And I'm and getting so I'm really texts all the time it. and you're in love with it so far. Yes, I am. I, it's got some great functionality. I mean, we have, I mean, it's by Oracle. Like they're going to have the state-of-the-art functionality. And, and and so I'm really, really excited about it. And we got to get it up and going. I just hired somebody that is going to be solely dedicated to enriching our content on our website. So Bingo. that's really fun too. So I'm definitely looking forward to well, that. Well, we've been working on some things behind the scenes with the, this brand, this mm-hmm. Zanger brand, the black brand, and a new brand yep. that we will introduce. Yeah, it's going to line them all together. Yeah. Stay tuned, everybody. Yeah, it's going exactly, to be pretty cool. Exactly. So why don't we move on to the manufacturing news? I have an article from PBS. I don't think we've ever talked about PBS mm. on, on the show. Public and I was actually, broadcasting I know. System. I was actually kind of surprised. Channel 11. <laughs> my, my kids get the cartoons from PBS, and that's all I ever know I, of it. We yeah. have the PBS app on our phone, too. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about with the, yeah, with the cartoons. So yeah, this is from PBS, and it's titled, How Novel 
coronavirus could change the map on global manufacturing. Interesting. Mm. So let's talk about it. That's perfect. Yes. So I'm going to give you a couple points that I'm quoting directly from the article. A a report found that 94% of Fortune 1000 companies' supply chains have already been affected. 94% already affected. What are in the, some capacity. In some capacity. I'm like, where are the 6% that have But, but Jim, you know? when you say in some capacity, if you have 1% of the parts in a car that are affected, that car ain't moving. No, right. I, I get it. It's, I not, get, mo- it's not leaving I the factory just, floor. I'm always trying to balance what I hear into Yeah, I, real, I get it. No, no, yeah. no, I get it. I mean, these are real problems that, that potentially could be happening. Another quote, companies often have a few weeks worth of inventory stored in warehouses, but nearly two months after the virus was first reported to the World Health Organization, their stockpiles are dwindling. Yeah, I so believe that. So people's, it's a just-in-time mm-hmm. environment right now. That was now. my first thought, too, is this might be kind of good for people who are trying to reduce the amount of inventory. I know inventory is a waste, yeah. right? So yeah. Another quote, the risk is that when the global supply chain is disrupted, most recently by the shuttering of factories due to the virus in China, many companies have few alternatives to fall back on. That is especially true of smaller and medium-sized companies that do not have operations in multiple countries. So we've talked a lot on making chips. I've used the term, I didn't coin the term, but I've used the term near sourcing, Mm -hmm. where let's just say you make product X and that product is for the North American region make that product in either Canada, United States, or Mexico. If it's for the South American region, make it somewhere down there. If it's for the Asian region, maybe you make it in China. Mm -hmm. But what that gives, you know, at least for large global manufacturers, it gives them the flexibility to say, okay, I can make this 100% in the United States and I can still supply Thailand or Mm -hmm. the Philippines or Mm -hmm. something like that, even though I can't get it out of China. Some companies have announced that they are shifting their operations to other countries, largely in Southeast China. But most of these are in select industries such as footwear and apparel, which have been moving out of China for years already because of increasing labor costs and and regulations. So there are some products that are easier to move out of China. Mm -hmm. I know like a lot of, we see a lot of our, we sell a lot of safety PPE and we see a lot of our gloves coming out of Thailand now, which is quite interesting because my my wife's family's from there. But I think that that trend's been happening for a while, but there's a lot of industries that are easier to move quickly, like yeah. apparel. Chip making industries are not e- as easy no. to move. No, you know? not at all. Just the we machinery and the people and everything. Last year, we we you got, you we guys, got out at the oh perfect my gosh. time. You guys so. are like. I, I, I can't even say that that was a smart decision when you sold your Chinese company because I think you just got a little lucky. Yeah, we always do. You know, someone's looking out for us. <laughs> yes. Somebody's looking out yeah, for you for sure. So. Yes. It's just this, this whole supply chain issue is, is going to be big, and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about that too. So now let's, let's move on to the, to the heart of the episode, which is what can manufacturing leaders learn from this? You know, we talked about that China was very closed off in their in their response. They weren't letting a lot of information out. And I think like the big the two big underlying points are just to be transparent. Mm-hmm. And I would say the first place that you need to be transparent is that you need to be transparent with your employees. You need to be transparent with your team early. Even if you don't think that something is going to be a problem, just say I think this could potentially be a problem. Does anybody have a solution in case case it comes to fruition? Have you ever been, I don't know, Jim, have you ever been in a situation like that where you saw that there could potentially be a problem? I I don't know, Nick, if you guys, you guys are more of an OEM. So I was actually thinking making chips. Okay. Uh, So yesterday I had a really great meeting with this company that does huge fabs, like big pressure vessels. And he was hoping, this company was hoping that making chips could help him with his marketing because they are on like the ground level right now. Okay. And I was just thinking, okay, so 
there's another hot prospect that we're probably going to land. And I, I know what our capacities are. And I'm thinking, guys, there's not a problem right now, but I could see there being a problem in the future. We really need to start like filling this talent pipeline with, and it's not easy to find marketing people who get manufacturing. So exactly. right. just like, it's not easy to find so a five ta- axis machinist who wants to work second shift. You know? So you're right. talking with the team early about this, yeah. this potential and, and problem. And they had some really good ideas. And I think it's good. We talked about it now than before. Absolutely. It, it becomes an issue. Yeah, I mean, we talk, I talk about it with my team all the time. Well, they have a morning huddle every day, and we have a weekly production meeting where we talk about everything from sales to marketing to new jobs to new quotes to... But you talk about trips. problems that could potentially be on the horizon that... Are, 100%. Got to be pro... You, got, you have to be, be transparent pro, proactive and proactive. versus yes. reactive. Yes. It's way better to be proactive. Talk about... It's, it might be a little painful to talk about something in advance of it happening, but you're always going to be on the have the upper hand if you talk about it in advance of something actually happening. So and the, if it doesn't happen, great. If it does, you're well prepared for it. You, so mm-hmm. the, the there was a person, a doctor in China who who actually sounded the alarm on the coronavirus. He's dead. He's dead now. You're yeah. right, Jim. Yeah. But wow. he was also he I don't know if you know this, but he was also silenced. Oh, I did not know that. So I did this not is know part that. of the problem. Just imagine yeah. if China had listened to him and they had been more proactive about what was going on. They might have been able to squash this pandemic, yeah. but they didn't. They weren't transparent, and that's part of the problem. Why, think, why are they like that? Because they're a communist country or just, um, just because? It, that, that is definitely a big part of it, yeah. Jim. I was just going to say, I think it ultimately comes down to like pride. You know, it is. You're afraid right. to admit. That I understand. You know. I get that. Well, and also pride is is also a part of their communist culture. You're always trying to stay in power, and you're, you're doing it in a way where you're subjugating people. Whereas in the United States, people are getting voted into power, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's a different situation. It's a different culture. And I think that it really has led to the problem that we have right now. Okay, so we um, want to so be transparent with our employees about future employees. issues. So the next thing would be to be transparent with your customers. If you're not going to meet the expectations that you set out for them, be be yes. transparent with them. We have a delivery date of this. Exactly. We we looked at everything, and based on what we see, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to add two weeks onto the delivery date. Let them know well in advance so they can prepare. Not on the day that it's due, calling and saying, "Hey, we need an extra two weeks." I get that all the time. Yeah. In this industry, th- people are late. We get it. You need to tell us as soon as you know. And right. that's that's where they really get mad is when right. like, you knew, like they know you knew, and then you didn't tell them. Yep. That will make them less forgiving. So. I, Jim, I've heard you talking about parts that you were running that were not a good fit for you as a company. Yes. And you've been talking to that customer for six months and, and kind of seeding Trying, the conversation right. and saying... I don't think this is a good fit. I'm still doing it. I don't think this is a good fit, but I'm still doing it. And then finally, you've gotten to the point where we, we can't do this anymore. Cu- we have to just like so it's break not the, like break the string. It's like yeah. it's like pulling on a string, and all of a sudden it pops. And I Let's remember go. telling you that I didn't think it was a good fit for you either because you don't do that kind of yeah, part. But, <laughs> but it was good that you didn't just all of a sudden say we can't do this anymore. Right. You've been he, talking about it with that customer for six months and right. telling them these are not. Good fit. For Is it car just not a tool? good fit for the type of machines that you have, or, or your just what they the make. expertise of your employees, I think or all the above? Yeah, I think size, I think quantity, I think 
precision. I think. I mean, every machine of, shop has it has their niche from totally. the size of the parts, sure. the material, the quantities, everything like that. And you have to fit that. And if you take on a job because this is going to be a great money maker, or I love this customer, and you find out that it's not working, tell them right away. Say, you know, this is just not working. I'm going to continue doing it. But I'm just letting you know, I don't think this is going to be a good fit for us in the long run. That way, they could start earlier on looking for other alternatives. Exactly, yeah. And you know, what I've learned is that there's so many different type of customers out there. Some that respect you, some that don't respect you, some that the logistics and the red tape to work with them are just through the roof that it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I could tell stories for days. Tell us a story, Jim. A good story. A good story is we just took on a new customer. It's Boom Supersonic. They are the makers of the new Concord. Oh, cool. And is this a story about our topic or just a random story? Well, you just said you a good story. story. Oh, I mean, no, I meant a story related Jim, to Jim goodness. is like a robot. So you program him, he will do you what tell you me say. what to say and I'll say it. Tell I us just... a story about being transparent with customers. <laughs> How are you transparent with Boom? How are we transparent with Boom? We negotiated a deal that we really don't have to quote their work, Ooh. that we're just doing work based on our experience and how they vetted us, that they feel that we're going to be a fair company to work with. And in exchange for that, they're going to give us open purchase orders to manufacture parts. No, you don't get that every day. You don't get that every day. No, and, and- So that level of respect is huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. And I think- that has value so we can reduce our costs a little bit and want to know something, they're really getting the benefits of it. Because if I've overquoted a job, they're going to pay a lot more for that part. So I'm giving them exactly what it takes. They feel as though that we are experienced crafts people enough to know that we can probably make that part in a certain window of time from X hours to X hours, and it's going to be fair to them. You've actually articulated our transparent program just say, really yeah. well because we have that same type of relationship with a lot of our clients where we sell them tools at cost and then we, we charge them a management fee after that. And it really cuts down on the cost on both sides. Both sides. They don't have to worry about like RFQs. Some of my competitors will sometimes to make up for the loss, times yes. and then quote high later to make it up. Right. We don't play games like that, and it just it makes it so that they don't have to have somebody that has to manage that whole process. And it's just a better transparent relationship. There's a lot of other benefits to it, but I think you articulated that transparency works well for both parties in many many situations. And, and for both of you, it wouldn't be possible without a very high level of trust and without complete transparency exactly. with the customer and the supplier. So. Exactly. And right now. The whole world does not have trust with the country of China because of what happened. The next point to learn from this would be to be accountable. Mm. In the mind, no one's taking accountability. No one's taking a mind of no one's taking accountability. In the mind of the Chinese government, there is no source of authority besides the Communist Party. The buck stops there. They mm. are the source of authority. I'm going to read another quote from Albert Moeller. You the like briefing. reading quotes? I know I do. It is also becoming increasingly clear that if you are the head of a totalitarian government, I really spell totalitarian. Well, I have it. In front I know. Of I could tell you were really trying to articulate. T o t a l i t a r i a n. And I'm reading Good. it. That's why okay. I do. Go. Then it's a double-edged sword when it comes to this kind of civilizational crisis. For one thing, you have absolute power, which gives you the authority to do just about anything. 
you and your party will within the nation. We have seen that Communist Party monopolize all forms and sources of information and media. We have seen that government turn itself into a massive surveillance state. But the other side of the equation is that if you are a totalitarian government, there is no one else to blame, no one else to whom you can point to assign blame when there is this kind of government crisis. So, Jim, you you have the title CEO. I have the title president. We are still accountable to people. You know, yes, we I'm are. accountable first and foremost to my wife. Uh, accountable to my God first. I'm I'm accountable to my wife. I'm accountable to my employees. I'm accountable, accountable to my to kids. Me? I'm accountable to you and well, making yeah, chips. We're partners. Yeah, okay. we're partners. So, so yeah, absolutely. I'm accountable to both you and Nick. Yeah. And I think having that accountability is important. And if you have that mindset when you come into work and you say, I'm accountable to these customers to deliver for them. And if I, I don't, I... it's a big problem. But what we've seen from the Chinese government is that there is no other source of authority besides the Communist Party. And they just don't really care. So there's a really dangerous formula here in, in what you just read. When there's no one else whom you can point to assign blame, and then you couple that with a culture where you are shame averse and you're not supposed to admit fault. So you're, there's no one else to assign blame and you're not supposed to admit fault when you are to blame. Yes. That's how you end up with this pandemic. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? Xi, I think that's how you pronounce yeah. Um, Xi, or, yeah, Xi Jinping. Yeah, yeah. He's been very silent, almost in hiding. Yeah. And I That's actually, the opposite of our president. <laughs> yeah, that is the opposite. Never that is no kidding. <laughs> that is the opposite of our president. You're very right about that. And I, I actually just talked to Mike Payne, who was on an episode, a couple episodes past, and he has a customer who he's doing a job for that they used to get these parts from China, and he's doing it now. They're not getting his customer is not getting a lot of answers from overseas, and he's doing the job. And we're going to see a lot of this happening. Mm-hmm. And when you just don't have that line of communication communication and you're not accountable to people, it it becomes a real big problem. But I think my conversation with Mike is going to be indicative of a lot of other conversations I'm going to be having with manufacturing leaders where they're saying, there's this job and the customer saying, just get the job done for whatever price that you can quote it at. And I just need the parts because yeah. these parts oh, are a smaller nice. deal yeah. than what the overall project is. And, right. I, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that as this whole supply chain issue really gets worked out. So that brings me to the last point. And the last point is a little bit more operational than, than leadership, which is to, you know, in general, check your supply chain. You just never know when, even you, Jim, if you're doing assemblies, you just never know where the source of one of those products could be coming from overseas. And making sure that you have that sustainability in the Mm. products that you deliver is very important. That's sustainability is a part of leadership, whether it's operational sustainability in this case or financial sustainability. You you need to make sure that you can deliver on your supply chain. And that comes down to checking that whether you're going to have any problems. Yeah, and ha- having some redundancy or a plan B, or we make a lot of tombstones that advanced in our, our uh, castings. Our foundry is no longer in existence. Oh, is that right? So that was a big, okay, well, what are we going to do now? And we, What are you going to do now? Well, we found some alternative foundries, and okay. you know we're working with them overseas. To, to keep the cost low. Because speaking of overseas, we have to benchmark our pricing against people who import castings from overseas. And so talk about sustainability and having redundancy. I mean, well, that's what, a perfect one, case example. One of the things that I mentioned to Mike is he told me that these parts were being made from a casting in China before, and now he's having to manufacture it from from a billet. Obviously, it's more expensive. But what I told Mike was, and this is what I would say other manufacturing leaders in that kind of situation, do the job, or he's he's going to, I'm not telling you, he's doing the job, but quote, 
a casting from here in the United States too, because sure. it's probably going to be less expensive. Yeah. And you know, you could look for alternative ways in order to you know compete with China because mm-hmm. they're not the lowest cost country like like they used to be 10, 20 years ago. Exactly. So their costs have risen too. I would say the the great call to action here is this so, is an awakening call for U.S. Can we just like go back and like just pull the the important things from what we just talked yeah, about love with to, regards Good. to manufacturing? So how do you really think? How do we really think this pandemic is going to affect our industry? I don't think we quite know yet. Okay, so what we're seeing do, some ripples to be proactive and and transparent to ourselves and our employees. How do we prepare if this really, really starts to become serious? What can we do now to be proactive? Well, we don't know the future, so we don't, we know, don't, know, we don't the, know how big this is going to go, but we can look to the past. So we, like some SARS. of these other things, you know, they always clear it up. So, yeah, good point, you know, I had a, I have a buddy who's a financial advisor and he sent me his newsletter this week and it was like, Guys, this has happened before. Right. And now is the time to buy. When things go yeah. way down. Don't panic and pull your money right. out. Stay invested. I mean, it comes oh, on yeah. both sides. I mean, it could still, the stock market could still go down significantly. Sure. It could. Or it could rise back up because people are starting to buy low. Right. But there's still companies, like bigger companies like automotive and like Apple, they're going to continue having some challenges. And we know uh, how our media this. works, right? So like... We, we, we make mountains out of molehills. And I'm yes. not saying this is a molehill. This could yeah. We were you know, supposed to get 14 inches. I almost didn't go Chicago, to Germany you know, because of this thing. So it, it's not just a little molehill, but look, I'm going to Germany. So, you know, it's yeah. a, I'm not going to change my life too much because of the coronavirus. The Germans are pretty clean, though. Yeah, especially they the are. And, I, and yeah. I, my argument was like, I think these things die at elevation where I'll be skiing. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> they freeze. But, so I mean, to kind of answer your question, wear a mask though, Nick. Okay. Yeah, don't freak out too much. Don't change everything because we're not in just, a zombie apocalypse. Just be proactive. <laughs> so, you just, know, yeah. cautious. Sure. Yeah, and sure. check and check your supply chain where you might have implications that this could potentially become a problem. So, so if you're but don't utilizing react. anything from overseas. Maybe you better have a plan B to be able to get those products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If that supply chain gets halted. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and you and might, wash your hands. And wash your hands. I mean, you know, there might be certain situations where, you know, you got to, from my perspective, we might have to start selling gloves that are more expensive or these cutting that are made tools. made in the USA. Yeah, right? they, they are, yeah, they're made in the USA or these cutting tools that were made in Asia, you know, it could change. So, Nick, before you bam us out of this episode, I want to talk about something very important. Okay, let's What's do it. What's that, Jason? We are having a grand opening for oh, the yeah. new Making Chips HQ in Rockford. It's going to be for our new studio, but it's also going to be the offices for our marketing. Yes. And so it's going to be a big deal. We're going to have a big Making Chips-sized party. I was thinking about it yesterday. You said this is going to be the biggest party that you've ever been to the- for manufacturing. And I'm like... For you manufacturing leaders, this is going to be the biggest party ever. It, it, it really I mean, is. It really is. Because everything be, else is like a trade show or an expo or you have a keynote speaker. This yeah. is just a party. We're just getting a bunch of manufacturing leaders to hang out. You know, We want them have to know what's going on with us band. and we want to know what's going on with them. Yeah, yeah. So. It's going to be a great social event for manufacturing leaders with no agenda but to enjoy yourself. Exactly. Live music. Specialty. The band drinks. is so cool. I know, and we've got some cool names for the drinks. I, I know. I, I've been floating oh, some d- ideas around. Uh, I haven't for seen the that margarita yet, south I'm, of the I'm border down. coolant. 
I'm. Uh, you like that? <laughs> that's good, like Nick. That. I like it. Uh, Bridgeport's old fashioned. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. That's awesome. You're always good with those crafty names. But yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna have some good names for these drinks. When when you arrive, you'll see the final names that we come up with. It's when is the date? Let's tell the manufacturing nation when the date is and how. Most importantly, how do they get on the list? So they they need to subscribe to the Boring Bar first. And how do we do that? And that's how they get to the actual Boring Bar, which is the bar in our new headquarters. You do that from our website. Or? There's a text number. Do you know that number? I do. Text the word CHIPS, C-H-I-P-S, to 38470. Nice, because I did we'll not remember. Send you a, <laughs> that's okay. And and they'll send you a link, and I, apparently it works really well. So right, so how do they get an invite to the party, though? So, because so you sub- we are going to be checking names at the door. So you subscribe, oh, yeah. and then when you can subscribe, you can leave a comment and just let us know that you would like to be on the list. It's something that you're interested in. It's May 14th, which is, which is a Thursday. Okay. And we're going to put together some sort of breakfast option for the for out of towners for out of towners kind of like a wedding and like, we do have people breakfast. flying in for this so yeah we do I'm pumped, yeah. and we're gonna have a hotel block yep and actually the there's a big new hotel in Rockford that's being built and the whole theme is manufacturing I know the whole just theme told of the hotel, me how, so. how really how yeah yes. that's amazing yeah, Rockford it's not gonna has be ready more machinists per capita than any city in the U.S. So. what does wow. that stand again Rockford has more machinists per capita than any city in the U.S. oh cool so where where better to have our headquarters I I agree so this is the party for manufacturing leaders let us know if you want to come and we'd love to see you there you bet we'll be bartending bam, bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. 